Welcome to the 6AM Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6AM Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6AMRun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. And welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining us as always. This is the 6am Run Podcast. I am your host, Mark Paisant. Got a good show for you today. But before we get started, as always, this show is brought to you by 6am Run and 6amrun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So today... I think we're going to learn a lot. We have Lewis Shulman on the show with us, and I'm going to let him go ahead and introduce himself. Thank you, Lewis, for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for the audience? Yeah, thank you, Mark, for including me in this project. I listened to a bunch of episodes in prep, and I think it's a great message that y'all are spreading out there. Uh, different things in every episode, but all of them have been super uplifting. I would say for my intro, uh, an entrepreneur, early stages of my career. I host a podcast as well. That's been kind of my longest running current project. I've been doing that for about three years. It's called The Lewis and Kyle Show. It's interviews very similar to this with just people I find that are you know fascinating in some respect, that are super successful in a specific domain that I want to learn more about. So maybe they're just an expert at marketing and my struggle for the next three months is really figuring out marketing. Or it could be something fitness and health related as well, just a subject matter expert in an area that is just a fascination and deep curiosity for myself and my co-host. So we've been publishing roughly once a week there since about March of 2020. And then more formally, kind of my career at present is I run a data and analytics consulting firm with one partner. So we help small to mid-sized businesses fully automate their data infrastructure, upgrade their level of automations that are going on in their businesses. And that takes like a whole lot of different client projects. And that's that's a really fun time. So that's what I've been building the past couple months. And then prior to that, I was working in the crypto industry in growth marketing. Uh, but I really found that I like the tech better than the marketing. So now I'm kind of working in technology applied to marketing with this consulting firm. And then kind of just right before that, I'm still a young guy, graduated from college in May of 21. We're recording this in fall of 22. So that's kind of been the first chapter of my career, if you will. Well, it seemed, well first of all, congratulations on uh, your graduate. Where'd you graduate from, by the way? I went to the University of Roll Tide, uh, sometimes called the University of Alabama. <laughs> One's got better name recognition than the other, so I just open with that one. Uh, love it. Coming from a Clemson grad. Love mm. it. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Well, I digress. So, you're a young guy, and I've, I've done you know, my research on you and, and looking at what you have online seems like you're, you're dipping into a lot of things. And you're trying to find exactly what you want to do. Entrepreneurship seems big to you. You have doing, done some writing. Uh, but I, I kind of wanted to ask you this to, to start. A lot of the things you do online kind of shows what you've been doing so others can maybe learn from it. And you're not just kind of keeping these secrets to yourself. You're having you're helping others to kind of go on their own path by showing what you're doing. Is that part of, you know, your DNA? Do you like being that mentor, that teacher to show others 
ways they can be successful? Yeah, I'd say I'm definitely a natural sharer. Like I don't really find much benefit from keeping anything exciting to myself, right? The, there's, the excitement is the social aspect. It's like, hey, I found this cool thing. You have similar interests. You have a similar struggle. Like you'd probably also think this thing is cool. And so I think it's like the tagline on, you know, the part of my LinkedIn that talks about my writing. It says like, I write to crystallize my own thinking and share the things I'm finding. Sometimes other people find it interesting, useful, motivational, et cetera. So that's like a kind of general philosophy for it. I want to always preface when I talk about my writing, because a lot of it is self-improvement content and kind of you run into that. I don't know what you want to call it, but sometimes like the less than desirable effect where people think that you are the superhuman who, you know, every time you've talked about a habit, you've never broken that habit once. And every good idea to stay productive and system and rule and concept is just a hundred percent adherence. And my writing is very aspirational. It's like, you know, I'm in this phase of life right now. I anticipate this set of challenges in front of me. And I think that this set of tools, right? Whether that those tools are habits, attitudes, lessons, or like just strategies and techniques will be helpful for me in this last phase, in this coming phase of life. Right. And it's, I also realize I'm wrong very often about a lot of things. And so sometimes people will, will read that and be like, hey, you know, I've been there and actually that's going to screw you over. So mm -hmm. it's, it's also very selfish in the respect that if I do share it and people are in a variety of life circumstances that read it, they can check my own thinking and, you know, encourage me to, it's just challenge what I'm saying, what I'm saying. Right, which seems, and I'll go ahead and say it since you're half my age. You know, it seems like you're 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 more mature than than most people who just came out of college, and and you have you have goals in mind that you want to complete for your life. So that's let me first do you know let me do this and commend you for for those things. And speaking of the writing and the things you've done, I, I really I actually read this and I loved your twenty one rules for getting your shit together that you had written on your 21st birthday. And I think it's, let's be honest, like a lot of the stuff, it, it seems simple, but when you put it all together, it does take motivation. Now, were these rules things you were doing or did you write them so you would start doing them? I think that post was, I think they're always a hybrid of like, I think that was more reflective. Mm -hmm. So that was actually very much like, these are things that I've been trying to hold myself to that when I do a good job of adhering to them, I find that my life is going a lot better, right? So that's kind of like a coldly rational approach of analyzing that particular piece. But at the point in time, or kind of looking back on the year that was, you know, my 20th year, if you will, those were the things that I found that when we're really dialed in, things were going better, right? I was feeling the sense of momentum, mental health was better. Uh, let's call them external metrics of success. So at the time, that would have been things like school, right? I'm like, less stress, better grades, just everything that I wanted to be lined up and all the boxes I wanted to check were being checked with a greater amount of success and lower amount of stress when all of those things are right. Not all of them, right? It's not like an all or nothing thing, but when as many as possible were dialed in. I like it. And, and I think a lot of these things are just stuff that we can do every day. And you talk about the, the physical aspect of things and, you know, little things like People may see physical fitness as vanity at some point, going to the gym, you know, doing cardio, you know, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, like you need that for your body. And for someone that is getting, you know, a lot of listeners might be getting, you know, up in age and, and we're, we're turning 30 is turning into 40 and 40 is turning at 50. Like it's one of those things where we need to stay 
physically active. And with all the things that you're trying to do, the entrepreneurship, the, the data analytics, all that stuff, do you find it tough to stay physically fit or, or find time for your physical fitness? No, I'd say it's it's table stakes. It's like everything else is kind of worthless without that, in my opinion. That Maybe that's a bit overdramatic, but that's like priority number one. And my luckily, my co-founder or partner in this business is totally on the same page where there's like, that's part of the, the work day is, is the workout. And uh, we happen to live together right now. So that's super convenient that like we go to the gym together and, you know, that's like a nice meeting time to sync up on, on different projects. But I'll, I'll give an example specific to running. So I kind of have like a, a love hate relationship with running because right now, you know, some, some aspects, right. You've given me compliments for being mature and other aspects. I'm still 23 and think that like maximizing the physique in the traditional Arnold sense is like the most important thing a person can do, which is like very much like a youthful thing that most people outgrow that I just haven't quite yet. And running, in my opinion, is very counterintuitive to like putting on muscle and getting stronger in the gym, uh, at least past a certain point. I think like under a 5k distance, you're pretty, will will be in the bro mode, you stay pretty anabolic. But once you start doing those like six mile runs, you're, you're starting to wither, in my opinion. And so if I'm trying to like maximize my you know, bench press squat, just like traditional vanity lifts, I would not run because it doesn't contribute positive to like gaining weight. You're burning all these calories. You don't need to burn. You're getting your system way more active. It's just not helpful. But for me, the running is like so key to my mental health that I purposely will like make slower progress in those other dimensions because I just don't get the same, again, all the meditative or woo woo or whatever, just all the psychological benefits of running are so profoundly good for me that it is worth making slower progress on like the vanity metrics. So I'm like as crazy about how necessary this stuff can be to like doing good and feeling good as you can be, in my opinion. I don't know. There's, there's like obviously level. I, I think I'm at a healthy level with it. I think I'm as approaching that point where it's like I'm caring about it as much as you possibly can without it becoming counterproductive to be like obsessive and like letting it eat into your life and training for like six hours a day. But got to move every day. I use the analogy of like a dog. I don't know when you get in the habit of training very consistently and training in the sense of like something moderately difficult for your cardiovascular health. And then you go for a long period without that. You feel like a dog is like trapped in a room and like, you're just anxious and it's just a really unpleasant sensation. And it's extremely difficult to concentrate on anything. Uh, so really like I think of, you know, what, one of the first podcasts I did, uh, was with this was actually a friend of mine's dad, who's very successful. And he talks about like the idea of a business athlete where, you know, you know, athletes have coaches, athletes have training plans, athletes are very regimented and, you know, what their outcome is and what the steps are necessary to take it. And he's like, you know, if your career is to make money through business, you should treat yourself the same way. And so it's like, what are your prime skills as an athlete? Things like, you know, how fast you are, how much endurance you have, et cetera. And for me as a, a knowledge worker, right, where my economic surplus is a function of how much I, how much value I create in the realm of knowledge, my most important input I can maintain is my ability to like concentrate intensely and for long periods of time. Like that is by far the most important dimension. Like, am I able to focus? Am I able to concentrate on what's important and do that for a lot of hours every day? And for me, I just think that that number goes to zero. If my, like it goes to zero, like I can't do it. I can, I got like a 20 minute sprint, like in that first coffee high. And then I'm at zero unless I'm dialed in on running fitness health. And then it's like, okay, I can actually concentrate and do valuable work. See, I really like a lot of the stuff you just said, because it, it takes that athlete perspective. And if you think of the, the best athletes in the world right now, 
um, regardless of sport, you know, the, the people who've been there the longest, the Ronaldo's, the LeBron's, you know, Kobe, when, you know, he was alive, everybody who's, you know, gotten to the, the top of their sport has had those coaches and mentors in different aspects, whether that be a shooting coach, whether that be a, a strength and conditioning coach, whether that be, you know, a therapist or mental health, you know, somebody you can call a coach or a mentor. That's, that's something that I think a lot of us can take, especially if there's a part of our life that we want to succeed at. And, you know, what you're doing and what I want to really touch on is the mental health aspect of it, because I, I love your generation for tapping into this and understanding how important is, that is. Um, I am wholeheartedly in agreement with you in regard to taking care of your physical fitness because that gets that should be you're absolutely right that should be a part of your work day like that we should prioritize it we should make sure we're taking care of our bodies so we live longer we have better energy and all that stuff but at the end of the day we all have jobs you would you know you're working on being an entrepreneur you're working on all these things but talk about that time you spend to get yourself in the right headspace what do you do when you when you notice that you're becoming burnt out like, how do you make sure that you're prepared for your day and whatever approaches you in that mental headspace? Yeah, I would say back to some of the writing, right? A lot of the writing is just documentation. And, you know, if I reflect on the periods of my life that I felt like we're the best in whatever dimension I'm like pursuing at the time, whether it's a period where I'm trying to like make a lot of friends, I'm like, you know, what was I doing in that period of time where it felt like super easy to make a ton of friends? Or if it's like I was able to go to the library and just zone in for hours and hours like what was my life like then and i think back to a period of time in my life where i was performing at the level i wanted to perform at in the domain i wanted to be having that level of performance in like what were my habits then and how have i fallen out of touch with them so for example in my school days right i was i was a bike guy i was one of those dudes biking around campus so it's like lived 10 minutes away so that's like a uh three mile bike ride with some hills and that's like a, that gets your blood just going in between classes so like Every time I went to the library, it was following a 15-minute workout, interestingly enough. Just like, it's a nice coincidence that things worked out that way. And I think about my diet at the time, and I think about my sleep habits at the time, and I think a lot, I think a lot of people don't talk about this enough, but like their drinking habits, like alcohol. And for me, it's one of those things, like if this is truly a period where work needs to get done and concentration, like I need to be, I'm not just in a routine phase of life where I have super predictable, consistent day-to-day -day work that really doesn't require much like thinking and hard cognitive effort then it doesn't matter, right, if I'm like kind of hungover for that. But I'm not in one of those phases right now. Like I need to be really creative and I need to like prioritize and I need to do like higher level thinking in order to make the type of progress I want to make. And for me, just, I don't know, some people are pros, professional drinkers. They can just, they can just bounce back and maybe, but for me, I, I don't know, like you talked about how I kind of mature for my age, but I'm mature in the sense that like my liver is like a 50 year old person's liver too. So it just doesn't work all that well. So if I have to, uh, like, it's just not worth it for me. So I just think about, if I've started, if I've deviated substantially from, you know, you kind of can list out the full matrix, right? Like all the main areas of your life, like what are you eating? When are you sleeping? Where are you working? What are the conditions of your working? And recently too, in terms of other habits, like that are more subtle, like what are your consumption habits in terms of media? Because if you're someone who needs to be entertained six, 16 hours a day, your entire waking day, like if you're someone who's like listening to a podcast while you cook breakfast and you have music on in the shower and you have a podcast on while you're working and you have music on while you're driving and you don't have any like proper solitude in the sense of like 
dead space in your head, like that's gonna, you need your active mind to rest the same way you need like your active body to rest. And so if you, sometimes I, you know, I'm a podcast host as well. I love consuming information about the things I'm trying to learn. But if that's impeding with my ability to concentrate, it's like, I think there are often times in our life when we actually, you know, we know what we need to do. And so I'm not, I think like for, for example, for my business and for in the gym, like, I don't think I need to go read any more books right now about like how to start a business or how to grow a business or how to uh, make, like get past the plateaus I'm facing in the gym. It's like, I just need to do the work. And the work is a lot harder when you're kind of in that frantic state of like constant consumption and you can't like sit down and think. Uh, so I don't know how far I got from the the original question, <laughs> but the, the summary is definitely that, you know, think of a time in your life when you were at the level you want to be at and compare your day-to-day life in every dimension, uh, every major dimension to the period where you're crushing it to the period where now you feel like you need to change something to be back on track. But you're absolutely correct. And I, I, I really appreciate the fact that how self-aware you've become and, and kind of that knowledge that you're trying to gain and trying to give to, you know, others in this, you know, sphere. So with all that you're doing now, you kind of mentioned a little bit of the things that you're doing, little things you want to get into. Um, and you just mentioned like how you're preparing yourself for the the point of your life you're in right now. But, you know, when you think big picture, when you think this is like my, my, you know, my one year, my five year, my 10 year plan. And, you know, what does that look like? Do you have success, you know, written out there? Do you have backup plans? Do you kind of, you know, are, do you be it before you do it? How do you, where do you see yourself in that time period and how do you prepare to kind of make sure that if something gets thrown into the machine and, and, and it breaks down, I'm prepared for that. Or is that something you don't even think about? You only think about the success that could happen. No, I definitely am a, a scenario planner. Again, all the advice I give or kind of theories, again, they're aspirational. I don't do a perfect job of implementing any of this. It's just what I think like is the ideal way to handle a, a certain situation. And so I've, when I graduated college, right, so I hosted the podcast since my junior year. And so I've been pretty dead set even before hosting the podcast, right, because there's a whole series of time that went into deciding to start. But for a long time, I've been pretty dead set that like, I want to do this whole entrepreneurship thing. I want the autonomous lifestyle, all the things that, you know, proportionate value creation relative to value capture, uh, meaning, you know, if I'm working four hours a day, but that four hours a day is immensely useful, I keep all of it versus being paid by the hour, just a higher leverage uh, economic setup. But so I was pretty invested in that for a long time. And so when I graduated, the plan was like, I'm going to do entrepreneurship. And then so I, you know, moved home from school. It was like, you know, what business am I going to start? Like, I got all these ideas. I got all these skills. Like, what's what am I going to do? And I've kind of just not sat around for three months. I, I did stuff and I had fun. And but I didn't really make any progress on what business I wanted to start, like at all. It was just kind of like, well, that could be cool. You know, like it's by domain name. Oh, I don't know. Maybe like that could be cool too. Let's buy another domain name, like really spend a lot of money on domain names and kind of like the end of the summer came around and, you know, I was living at my parents' house and I was hardly spending any money and I was spending all day just like kind of reading and just thinking and writing. And I was like, I could accidentally fall asleep and wake up five years later because I could afford to live at my parents' house indefinitely, right? It's like, I worked some internships during school. I didn't spend all that much money. I was on a scholarship. So I was like, I could probably afford this lifestyle. It's like, if I only lived at my parents' house, I could, I could die here without working. 
And I don't want to accidentally do that. Uh, so I'm pretty indecisive about what, I, what it is I want to do. I like crypto. I like writing. I like podcasts. I like online marketing. I don't know. And so then I was like, I just kind of need to do something. And then an opportunity is going to present itself at some point later on. Like a business idea will come to me. But so that's why I started my career in crypto. I'm like, this is the thing I'm super passionate about. It's really exciting. I like all the people I've met in this. So I'm just going to do that for a period of time. And then, you know, if and when an opportunity strikes itself, like I've been making money, I'll have like started my adult life like more properly and I'll have this network and all these, these other things. And that's more or less like what happens. So kind of the lesson from that is a new philosophy that I'm not going to give myself any credit for coming up with, but just give myself credit to listening to the person who said it to me and being willing to hear it mm-hmm. was kind of a lifestyle of more of navigating versus wayfinding. And so navigating is very much having a fixed destination, right? It's like by 30 X dollars in the bank, X employees, X cards, like very finite things that are or very well-defined outcomes that I want to achieve by a set date. And that's less my mentality now because, and I'm more of like the wayfinder. So it's kind of like, am I excited for tomorrow? Am I excited for Monday? Am I excited for this weekend? Like the work that I have to do the rest of today, do I want to do that? Or does it sound like a pain? And I'm kind of more so like, I don't want to, there's like a full Zen where I'm not on that spectrum, but like the half Zen that's like, as long as what I'm doing is something I enjoy and it's bringing me the level of material success that I think is necessary to maintain the quality of life I want to have, which is not outrageous, right? I want to, I want to be able to afford butcher box. I want to be able to afford like good mental health coaching. I want to be able to afford to travel and like not stay at the worst hotel. But besides like that, I don't need like, there's a difference between like quality and luxury that I think is important. So I like want to be able to afford quality things because they make your life easier and they let you like continue to ascend to a higher level. Uh, but beyond that, it's like whatever it takes to get there that I enjoy doing. And if it takes a little longer, but I enjoy the ride, that's like a whole lot better to me than trying to rush it. So, and uh, there's, there's a lot there. And one of the things I can definitely tell from the, the way you're talking, kind of the way you hold yourself is, is productivity is a big thing with you. I can, I can, um, you know, even though you said I could stay in my parents' house and, you know, be good or whatever, like I can, I could tell just by, you know, listening to this first, you know, half of the show is that you, you like to stay productive. You like to have that in your day. And again, for everybody listening, like productive doesn't mean I'm taking, you know, every minute of my day is filled with some activity. Like that's not what productivity means, but I want you to kind of talk about how you prepare to be productive. And even bigger than that, the days that you're not productive how, which can also be productive days. I know that might sound weird to people, but the days you're unproductive, like how do you stay in that space? How do you make sure that, you know, you give advice to people on their productivity and also you give advice on not consuming too much? How do you balance those two things? Yeah, well, I think that is, it's a large question to answer. I'll start with like a couple Mm -hmm. frameworks that have been really helpful for me. So I think a lot about, planning interval like in terms of intervals uh and both on the scope of the day on the scope of a period of time and i call them minimum success criteria and so again one, one thing i'll add is it's never a good idea to build a plan for yourself that requires like 10 out of 10 energy to to succeed to like succeed like you don't want to whether it's a business plan or a fitness plan like if success requires feeling good every single day that is not a very good plan like your plan should have some slack like I don't feel good every single day. There are a lot of days where I'm like, oof, this is like not gonna, like we're, we're just gonna get the minimum, like bare minimum done today. 
And that's true on the scale of like weeks, that's true on the scale of months. And so what I like to tell myself at the outset of like a particular chapter, whether that's like a 90 day interval, like a two week interval, whatever, is what is the bare minimum I need to get done during this period of time to feel good about it? And like, that's very much an act of prioritization. So during like the, during like an academic season, it was very easy to say this semester, as long as I, you know, meet X grades in my classes, maintain my publishing consistency on the podcast and maintain this current level of fitness, I really won't feel all that bad about myself if nothing else gets done. And so on, on your good days, right, you will go above and beyond. You'll read an extra book, you'll go put yourself out of your comfort zone and try some new activity. But on your bad days, it's like, okay, I don't feel like doing anything today, but at least I'll, I'll at least like, you know, study and at least I'll like do like a basic workout. And so I think about that in terms of like the pre-planning so that on your good days, you feel good, right? And you don't need like any advice. You just feel good and you're just like running through the day and knocking everything out, but that just doesn't happen all the time. And so having that, like, what is my standard for myself when I'm not feeling good? And like, you're like, okay, this, these is like, and, and there's some days you feel like a true zero and like, you can't do anything. And that's like a whole nother conversation. But that's one thing I'd say is like super helpful. So like kind of having an out for yourself that on the days where it's like, what is the bare minimum I need to get done today? And so when in terms of planning my days, which is something I always try to do the night before, I find like that's massive, a massive difference maker is for tomorrow, right? What are like the, the bare minimum things that need to get done for it to be a good day? And this is, of course, continuous, continuous prioritization, right? Like on the scale of every day, like. So for this week, what needs to get to this week to consider this week not a failure? For tomorrow, what needs to get done? And I'm like, realistically for today, it's like I need to show up for all my scheduled events. So like everything on my calendar, just like, you know, don't miss anything. Uh, hit my training, hit my eating. And then uh, there's an app called Focusmate, which is like a virtual co-working app. You can like schedule 50 minute working blocks with other people. And I find that really helps me a lot uh, when I work from home. And it's like do two or three of those sessions. So it's like show up and attempt to concentrate for two to three hours and then show up to my appointments and work out. And like, as long as I do that, that's probably going to be a good enough day to like continue the course of progress. And then kind of another reflection question that I got from someone on Twitter, I follow named Dickie Bush, who I was fortunate enough to interview like a year and a half ago was a journaling question. He really recommends is like, you know, if every day was more or less like today, if every week was more or less like this week, would I get to where I want to go on the timeline I want to get there. And so like that level of like reflection kind of helps you judge. So if you're like really just not making a lot of progress, you're like, okay, I have to step it up. But sometimes you realize, okay, wow, like if every day was like as good as this, I actually would probably get there. And then there's like a million other, there's a million other tools. There's accountability, there's time blocking, there's, you know, task management systems, but there's layers to this beast. But what really matters is like being honest with yourself, looking forward to a period of time, like what actually matters and then has the time been set aside to do that? And then of course, like the intention, just like even the intention to be productive, productive makes a big difference. The intention that is, that is huge. You're absolutely right. And that goes with a lot of the things that we do in life, whether they're, whether we want to improve our, our mental health, our physical health, whether we want to get better at business, become a better friend, brother, father, sister, whatever, there has to be that intention. You're absolutely correct about that. So um, you mentioned earlier that you were in that crypto space. Is that something you're still looking to get into or are we totally out of it? Or, or what do we think about crypto now? Yeah. So for everyone who's on the run right now, <laughs> stop and listen. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I would say I love crypto. I think, well, I love, that's a big, crypto is loaded. So there's a lot of misconceptions and this could be, you know, it's a dangerous question. This could be its own two hour tangent. Mm. So I'll, I'll try to avoid that. But you know, crypto at this point is like the internet, right? The internet was a, a technological breakthrough 
that led to a whole array of use cases, right? So saying like, I love the internet. What does that mean? Do you love social media? Do you love search engines? Do you love Zoom conferencing? Like, what is it that you like? like? Do you like email? Because the internet is this technological breakthrough that enabled all of these applications to exist. Mm. And so I love crypto is kind of like a vague statement. I particularly like Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is, again, the idea, the innovation that led to, it was the problem that led to the solution of the blockchain. And then crypto at large is like, okay, the blockchain was invented to enable the creation of Bitcoin. What are all of these other things we can do now that we have this technology called the blockchain, right? This like trustless, uh, decentralized database that allows us to maintain like a record of what happened without a central authority. Like what can we do now that we have this, the terms like a primitive, now that this is like a new fundamental building block engineers can like have in their toolkit to design systems and applications and uh, just different ecosystems. This is a new building block for like builders to, to build with. Uh, I'm particularly, I think there's a lot of cool things that are happening there. Uh, but right now I'm like one of the people who says, I think Bitcoin right was why blockchain was invented. They wanted to create a decentralized currency, currency that doesn't have any central person in charge of it, uh, that has a predictable supply schedule and has uh, its censorship resistance. No, no one can be denied access to the ecosystem. It's just kind of like a purely fair global uh, ledger of account. And I think that's a cool thing that should exist. And right now, my advocacy doesn't really extend beyond uh holding it right not selling not selling during the downturn is uh is a pretty serious show of support in my opinion but and then of course like when asked about it speaking as positively and truthfully as i can but crypto as in general and i think like the misconception for people to really understand is crypto at this point is as broad as the internet in the sense of all these are all the things now that like in crypto meaning like is the acronym for cryptography which is kind of like the fundamental uh area of math that enabled the creation of the blockchain it's like blockchains work because we figured out how to apply cryptography in such a way to do blockchains. And so crypto as a whole refers to like all the interesting ideas people are having right now, which brings us back to like the days of the early internet. Not that I was you know necessarily around for them when people were trying things and scamming people and things didn't work out quite yet. So it's like on the wild frontier of crypto, good luck to you. Like be safe, do your own research, like proceed with caution. Don't trust anybody. Uh, but on, I'm primarily like an advocate for, I think that, a world that has Bitcoin widespread would likely be better than one that doesn't. So I'm going to advocate for that. But everything else, I'm like, people are trying stuff. Some of it's going to be cool. Just like over the course of the internet, people tried a lot of stuff that in the 90s that this didn't work out because internet adoption wasn't high enough. Like other technological factors, like internet speeds weren't fast enough for it to work out. And then only to 20 years later when the infrastructure is more mature for those ideas to like then work. So I'd say everything that's not Bitcoin, there's a high chance it's still in the maybe this will work phase. Man, you were never around for the beginnings of internet and you never had an AOL email address. Like, it's, man, you, you, you missed out on that. You missed out on dial up. Like uh, there's so much <laughs> you missed, man. It's just, uh, no, but, um, that, that, that's good to know. I know a lot of people, especially probably people listening, um, and when I say people listening, me talking are not very familiar with crypto, with mm -hmm. Bitcoin, all that stuff. Um, I can give like a couple uh, recommendations that I feel like I've had good success with. Sure, that'd be great. So for learning about this, I think the wrong approach is to like buy a textbook that's like, what is Bitcoin? Or like to buy Bitcoin for dummies, like find a medium that you're already pretty comfortable with consuming. So if you're already a podcast listener, just find podcasts about crypto. If you're already like someone who can just crush a book a week, uh, then just like get a book on it. 
But if, if you're getting a book, I'd get the book Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Mesrich. He wrote the book that became the movie The Social Network, you know, about Mark Zuckerberg and his Jesse Eisenberg or one yeah. of the guys that kind of, they all look the same, mm-hmm. but the three of them. But the movie about Facebook, he's the guy who wrote the book that became that screenplay. And he basically did the same kind of narrative storytelling about the Winklevoss brothers and how they got into Bitcoin. So that's just like a really entertaining read that like every seven paragraphs stops to like explain one thing about crypto. So it's like be entertained, but then like actually be pretty well informed by the end of it. Or if you're like a podcast person, just like there's a ton of good Bitcoin podcasts. Bitcoin Audible is a good one. Uh, The metaphor I've that really helped me just like get over the hump is that it's a river. Like there's no starting point. It's just a river. It's just like you just got to jump in somewhere and like stay in it long enough where eventually like you get used to it and you figure out what's going on. And then the third, if you're like a newsletter reader, so if you are like a reader of newsletters, there's a ton of like free courses that'll send you like one lesson a day. So there's one when I worked at Bitcoin Magazine, we promoted, it's totally free, called 21 Days of Bitcoin. And it's just like a two minute article every day for 21 days. And if you actually just commit to reading that, that's a lot less daunting than like going on YouTube and trying to start at zero and self-educate. Those are all great things. I appreciate you giving it out. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people on here would like to just get more involved with that because as you said i think it was a great analogy by the way with the internet and you know if you there's no blanket statements like no one even says that anymore like i i just love the internet it's like there's so <laughs> there's so much there like you have yeah. to be more specific and the internet opened up us to, to to so many things and you know people listening probably remember the time where you know you would if you wanted to to order something it was a it was a magazine it was a pamphlet it was a book and you called the person and you you know you sent a check or gave them your check and you know brick and mortar stores things like that nowadays like you know things are moving faster than we can keep up with them and um you know i think being in this space and being able to to write tell people about all this stuff is great but again, we always come back, whether we're living in the 70s, 80s, 90s right now, whether you're going into a store to buy something, whether you're using blockchain, whether you're using, you know, uh, yeah, the Internet to to purchase something or the Internet to do your work using SEOs or, or marketing ads online, Facebook. It all comes back down to the human aspect of it. And I agree with that. And we have to make sure that. And I think you're doing a good job of it, or at least your this is your attempt is that we have to be educated and we have to stay ahead of the curve. And the moment we stop learning is the moment that we're going to be left in the dust. And, you know, is there a like an intrinsic motivation for you just to be a sponge and just to learn as much as you can and, and learn as much about different aspects of the world different people, different marketing structures, different social structures. Is there just something intrinsic about you or is that something that you learned along the way? Yeah, I have a couple different ways I could answer that. One, I've really been trying to internalize recently is just a, it's really generic, right? But like a pursuit of the truth, like capital T truth. Like what do I think is like, just, that's just it. That's just how it is. That's just like how it is. And so I'm kind of always on the search for trying to figure out like how things are. Cause when you act with the world based on how it is, you're going to be a lot more effective versus if you try to operate with the world with how you want it to be when it's not actually that way. So as much as I can like set reality for what it is and operate with those assumptions in mind, I'm going to engage more effectively with like everything that I do. And so that means, right. 
uh, and I don't know if that sounded like completely abstract and theoretical, but like one example, you know, I was recording an interview last night with this woman who's talking about if you run your company under the assumption that people are perfect, things are going to fall apart very quickly. Versus if you run the company knowing that you're an imperfect person showing up to deal with other imperfect people and things are just going to break all the time. And that's just like what happens. And that's normal. Like you're going to be a lot more successful in terms of like managing people and personalities and human beings. And that's just like one example of like, if you go in with what you want to see, which is like, oh, it's going to be sunshine and roses. You're just not going to come prepared to deal with when it isn't. And so that's just like one really narrow example of that. So in one respect, I do have like an intrinsic desire in this to just consume information. But this comes back into like another, I guess, psychological, sociological theory, whatever it is, that most of our intrinsic desires are motivated by like some fundamental lack, meaning, or some fundamental like human, like survival instinct, in the sense that I don't like know if it's genuinely because I just find this interesting. It's like, I find this interesting, because I think that not knowing it is reducing my prospects of getting the outcomes I want in life. And whether those outcomes are like super primal and just like survive, like, I don't think I'll be able to eat unless I like know how to, how to do this thing. It's like, I just think it's very important that like something that I have assigned importance to, right? So we, we could break this down and do like a whole psychoanalysis here, like not a, a full one, but like, you know, I want to start this business because I think that the life I want to have will be better because being a business owner than being an employee. And why do I think that is? That's a whole nother debate, but I've come to accept that as true. And so with that being true, it's necessary that this business survives because if it doesn't, then I'll have to go to the suboptimal situation. And if that happens, that's, that's not desirable. So now as I go and look for information, I'm like deeply motivated to find any information that I think will in- help me increase the success of the scenario that I want to see through. So I kind of take that attitude to like any, so I'm not interested in like, I mean, sometimes I am like purely interested in like just true esoteric information, just like that's just obscure. Like there's like a whole dimension of Twitter that like is interested in like face reading. Like they'll just like look at people's facial structures and like make judgment calls on that. And like, I don't really know how useful that is to me right now. And like anything I'm trying to do. And that is just purely interesting and entertaining and like good for them maybe. But for the most part, I'm really just interested in things that like, this is tied to some outcome that I I just think is important. And I don't want the alternative. So I'm going to like pay, I'm going to pay attention and I'm going to do my best to remember everything I just heard, uh, which is also a lot of like why I became a podcaster. Cause I don't remember everything that I heard ever. So I record the majority of my deep conversations now. That's a, it's definitely a life hack. And uh, so I can go back and listen, but yeah, it's just, it's motivated by there's something that I want to happen that if I don't pay attention, isn't going to, is less likely to happen. And that actually, now that I think about it, cause this is one of two podcasts that I host is that, People, that's a great idea for someone who literally wants to like absorb as much information as they can. They want to talk to people like you don't have to broadcast. You don't have to put your podcast out there. That can be your own personal. You can just have conversations and and use that to go back. And, you know, at a certain point, I had that conversation. I remember February in 2022 about you know this idea and that's a great way to just hold on to that kind of stuff i might actually end up using that so that's a very good idea yeah and then in in my business i think my co-founder really gets all the credit here but we record every business meeting by default there's like a chrome extension Mm -hmm. that will like ai transcribe all of your meetings and like record capture the audio and so it's like when we put together a proposal for our clients 
you know, we use all the vocabulary that they used because we go back and listen to the part where they're describing their problem and describe what they want. And it's like, you know, they say they want a proposal that lists resources, constraints, and budget. And so, you know, I'm going to, if I didn't have the recording, I'm going to go in and be like, I don't know, stuff we need, how much it's going to cost mm-hmm. and other stuff. But right. now that I can like go back in and listen to this meeting and be like, they said resources, constraints and everything. Like, I'm not going to write that down. But now when I outline this document, it's going to be in their words. Like, I just assume, again, this is back to what I was saying about trying to be realistic about how the world is and how you are, right? The self-awareness and the awareness of the world. Like, I'm very forgetful. I don't remember everything I hear. Uh, So I'm building, that's just how it is. And because of that, I'm really deliberate now to like record a lot because I know I'm going to be more effective if I get things right, but I'm just going to not get them right. And I'm not going to pay attention if I'm consumed with taking notes the whole time either. That's just how I am. And I got to work around that. So these are some ways I'm doing that. Again, the self-awareness is off the charts and I appreciate that. So Lewis, thanks so much for being a part of this. How do people find, I'm found out about you, about what you're doing. How do they find you online? Yeah. So if we got the spelling and the title of this episode, you can Google my name, Lewis Schulman, and I come up. It's not super competitive. Uh, there's a Hillel Center at the University of Iowa. I'm not affiliated. Uh, everything else pretty much relates to me. So social platform of choice, I'd say LinkedIn is probably where you're going to get the fastest response. If you want to hit me up directly, my company, orbitmetrics.io. And my podcast, if you want to listen to me, ask questions and do less of the talking, uh, that's the Lewis and Kyle show. And that's uh, that's a good entry point. But yeah, to start with Google and you can find me. Happy and to tell chat with whoever about whatever. And I apologize. I Tell us really quickly a little bit about Kyle. How'd you guys meet? How'd you guys get together? Like, what is the yin yang between you two? Oh, Kyle's just an AI character. No, I'm just kidding. But that'd be amazing. That would be absolutely <laughs> amazing if that was the truth. Exactly. No, Kyle's just a model trained to be the opposite of me. <laughs> but Kyle, we met uh, at an entrepreneurship competition at school and kind of launched a series of failed endeavors together and had some pretty aligned core values and interests and goals in life. A lot of them being, you know, continuous improvement, self-improvement, uh, entrepreneurship, investing, like these are the things we want out of our career and both shared passion for deep conversations for podcasts themselves. And so this podcast kind of emerged a uh, qu- short version of the story is that Kyle had set up like an in-person mastermind with six people to meet every week and like have deep conversations. And we got bored of each other very quickly, that whole group. So we started bringing guest speakers and then the pandemic started and we we're like, well, we want to keep this going, but we don't want to try to get seven people who are s- to, to show up to the same zoom meeting at the same time. So let's just kind of branch off and do this, the two of us. And that, and then the other piece of that is that, uh, back to the recording conversations, those masterminds with guest speakers were really cool. And we were like, I don't remember any of that. I just remember thinking it was cool, but like, I wish I had the, the transcript of what had happened there. And so kind of the intersection of we, we like learning from experts and we like recording conversations became the podcast. And he, he's a year younger than me and he works in multifamily real estate and he just started like a month ago. So he just graduated school in May. Awesome. Well, I wish you guys all the success in the world. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, and this was great. I learned a lot. I'm sure the, the listeners learned a lot. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6am Run podcast. Again, I'm your host, Mark Paisant. 
please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AMRun to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.